This is the Hope Church Mill Creek Podcast, and you're hearing the voice of lead pastor Josh Westmoreland. Hope Church Mill Creek is a church replant in the Hope Church family based out of Danville, Virginia. Our church specifically is in Roxboro, North Carolina, just about an hour north of Durham. Our family of Hope Churches has a total of 13 locations at this time along the Virginia-North Carolina border, mostly in smaller rural communities. Our uh, specific location has existed officially since January 22, when my family and I moved from Mississippi to lead this plant. We hope you enjoy this podcast and bring something away from it that helps you. If you do, it would help us greatly if you left a good review on Apple Podcasts or you just, you know, shared it. We wish you all the best, uh, grace and peace to all of you, and happy listening. This is Matthew 6, verse number 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. We titled the message today, if you'll go back to that title page, um, How Do You See the World? Because that's, that's kind of the uh, core. Like, how do, we, how do you see the world? Uh, does it matter how you see the world? Well, let me ask you this question. How many of you have glasses on today? Right? How many of you, you would be a danger to society and to the Department of Transportation and everybody else around you if you drove without your spectacles or your contact lenses in? Right? Um, if you don't see correctly, then it's going to cause problems. Um, I'm one of those that's like, as I get older, my vision's getting worse and worse and worse. And it like, eventually it's just going to go full. I'm going to go full Coke bottle on you. You know, my eyes are going to look like this. But if I don't have corrective lenses on, I'm a danger. I am a danger because I'm not seeing right. Does it matter if you see the world through this lens or that lens or this lens or that lens. I'll give you an example. Does it matter? And I, I, I hope and pray you don't get too enthusiastic when I say these things, but maybe towards the end you can. Does it matter if I see the world through a Democratic or Republican lens? Does it matter if I see the world through a vegan or a carnivore-omnivore lens? Does it matter if I see the world through a uh, baseball versus golf lens? Yeah, that totally matters. Um, I don't get how you guys watch the Golf Channel. I really don't. They're sitting there and they whisper in the whole time, hey, he's going in for the putt. I'm like, what? what? I, don't, I don't understand that. But anyway, you do you. Does it matter if you see the world through macaroni and cheese versus fish sticks? Right? Gary back here is a mac and cheese aficionado, or he's just very, very picky. I don't know. Probably just the latter one. Does it matter if you see the world through a ketchup versus honey mustard lens? Um, if you're on the ketchup side, there's no hope for you. Like, 
It's just honey mustard, man. That's all there is to it. I realize I've alienated half of you there, but... So, obviously, some of those things don't matter, right? Primarily, what does seem to matter, though, is how we see the world through what lens we're looking at. And we'll get to that as we go through the sermon today. But first, we'll talk about fasting. When you fast. This right here, so put up if you would, what is fasting? Um, first off, Jesus assumes what? When he's saying, when you fast, what is he assuming? That they're going to do it. It's not like, well, you know, if you, you know, if you think you can handle that. Um, fasting is in the same category as that says, as giving and praying. So if you were, if you have been with us the last few weeks, we went through uh, this part about um, uh, hypocrisy. You remember this? We talked about hypocrisy, what hypocrisy is, is pretending and all this stuff. Um, well, Jesus, when he talked about that, he was talking about a couple different areas. And he says he's talking about giving in that respect, um, and he's talking about praying. So Jesus assumes that his disciples absolutely will give back in some way or another. They will give back. Um, He's assuming that they will pray. Like if I were to say to you, Christians should pray, would anybody stand up and say, how dare you? No, because we assume that Christians will do what? Will pray. But at the same time, these things, the giving, the praying, the fasting, you know what they're matters of? This. It, it's, not, it's not your business how much I pray. It's not my business how much you pray. But it is God's business that we do pray. It's God's business that we do give, and it's God's business that we do what? That we also fast. So Josh, what is fasting? Is fasting this thing where you're, you're talking to yourself and you're like, self You've been so bad. No, 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 no. You don't eat that. Smack. No. You bad soul. You, you've been a bad, bad person, so you stop that. Stop that right now. It's almost like, it's like a punishment, you know? Is that what fasting is? Is fasting say you've just been so bad, you have to deprive yourself this week of your zebra cakes because you've been so terrible. <laughs> zebra cake's the best Debbie cake. I don't, you know, y'all that are on the Twinkie side, I'm sorry, zebra cakes. Swiss rolls are good. I'll take Swiss rolls, but zebra cake. So... Is that fasting, though, punishing yourself? You've been a bad person. No. So this is what fasting is. Y'all see it? Horse bridle. Got a bit right here. I know you, you probably won't believe this, but I actually grew up riding horses. I know I don't typically look like a cowboy, but... <laughs> I did. Been bucked off of them, tried to train them, wasn't no good at it. Um, learned to hate a few horses really bad. Um, mean, I'd tell you. Anyway, 
But I'll tell you what. Some horses, when they've been trained, they'll take a bit fairly easy, especially if they respect the trainer, respect the rider. They'll take the bit. But if you if you got a horse that ain't been broke, you ever been around a horse that ain't been broke? Good grief. I mean, that that is a danger. Right? You go out a horse, you go out a horse with a bit that don't like a bit and ain't been uh, thoroughly broke, you are in danger. Because what is this? Essentially what this is, is a, a controlling device. It is releasing control from the animal to the who? The to the rider. Right? Now you may say, well, that horse just needs to run and be free and just live its life and live its best life now and go consider its retirement and what it's going to do with its life choices. I got you. I hear you. But at the same time, when a horse and the rider are in a symbiotic relationship, it's beautiful. Right? It seems like God, even in the Bible, is pretty proud of a horse. Like you read the Bible, it has a lot to say about horses in there. But this device is relinquishing control to another force. Fasting is this. It's not saying, it's not the whip, right? Anybody watch the derby yesterday? Yeah. All right, it's not the whip. Fasting is the bridle. It's saying no to self while saying yes to a controlling part that is not usually in control. Here's what I mean. Are you familiar with there's a battle going on in you between flesh and spirit? Do you wear that? It's like the dualism of man. You've got the flesh that wants, to, it wants what it wants. Be it passion, be it love, be it uh, food, be it whatever it is. It wants what it wants. How many of you battle with your flesh all the time? That's, that's, that's got to be all of us, right? Even you say, well, I, you, know, you might not have any external, sh external showings of that, but internally and in the private moments, I guarantee you struggling with your flesh. Right? Even if you're saying, well, no, not me. Okay, how many of you sat and scrolled and watched TikTok or Facebook videos for more time than you needed to this week? Come on. Let's get off our high horse. Are we all very human? Okay. We have flesh and we have spirit, and those two things are battling for control all the time. The flesh is kind of like the wild horse. I want to be free. I want to do what I want. I want to have my passions. And great. Except the Bible teaches that the spirit must be in control. And when you are fasting, you are handing over control to the spirit to say no. We're not doing that right now. Well, why would we give that thing up? I mean, I love food. Can I get an amen? amen? Why would I give up something like food that I value? Because there's something else that you're pursuing that is more valuable. What might that be when we're fasting? What are we pursuing when we're fasting? A relationship? A deeper relationship with God. 
You might say, Josh, here's, here's what I want, man. Here's all I want. I just, I want, I want God to fix my problems. I want him to show me the way to go, but I don't want to go the whole way and follow Jesus. That is not the way it works. Get to know the person of God and he will show you as you walk with him. Jesus, one of my favorite verses, Matthew 11, 28 and 29 and 30. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke? Well, it's similar to a bridle, but you yoke up to something else. Who is that? Jesus. Jesus is not saying, you obey and you do what I tell you. I'm whipping you. You better go. You, you get, 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 go, go. He's spurring you. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, hey, I've got a yoke on me. You just come beside me and get in the other one, and we'll go together. You seeing that? How many of you took out and you said, I'm just going to do it all myself? How does that turn out? Not good. So, truly I say unto you, verse number 16, they have received the reward, but when you fast, what does it say there in verse number 17? Do what? Two things. Anoint your head and do what? Wash your face. What is that all about? Can we go to another scripture? Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. I will warn you, if you want to be both enlightened and depressed, read Ecclesiastes. If you've never read Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes, but it can be awfully depressing. Ecclesiastes 9, verse number 7 says, Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Let your garments always be white and let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all, this is the depressing part. He's waxing eloquent and he says, all the days of your vain life. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. That he, God, has given you under the sun, etc., etc. So what is the anointing your head, washing your face? He says, let your garments be white. What is that saying? That's saying, get up out of bed, take a shower, take a bath, Put some lotion on, maybe some deodorant. Brush your teeth, brush your hair, and prepare for the day. It's proven. Now, we all got jammy days. Anybody love a jammy day when it's just like you're just laying around, you just, right? That's okay every once in a while. But if that's every day, prepare for your mental state to take a sharp decline. There is something about getting ready, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, brushing your hair, and just getting ready for the day that changes your whole mental outlook of everything. And what's he saying? He said, get ready to enjoy your life. You only got so many days. This thing about, man, there's this idea in Christianity that when you become a Christian, it's like, no, you can't do that. Don't stop, stop. No, no, no. It's the opposite. You are free to serve a purpose higher than you. You are free to serve a God who sees more than you do. You are free to say yes to Him and no to those sins that have been keeping you down. It's not about bondage. Gosh, you want to talk about bondage? I know what bondage to sin feels like. Anybody else know what that feels like? It's awful. 
Wake up wondering, should I even live today? That's bondage. I'm free to serve Jesus now. And I'll take that life any day. Go back to Matthew, if you would, please. In verse number 19. I'm not getting too excited for you, am I? Is that my water over there? Go to the next verse. Do not lay up for yourselves what? Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, thieves break through and steal. Lay it for yourselves, treasures in heaven. Okay. What, I'm going to, this is an open question. I want you to shout this out. What, give me some things that people typically treasure here while we're on earth. Like what are things that people treasure? Money, Money that's, is that probably top, you would say? Okay. What's, what else? Material things like what? Boats, cars, homes. Okay. What else? Food. Amen. Amen. You said what we all thinking. What else? Anything else? Animals. Okay. Good one. Clothes. Gosh, I'm glad y'all got clothes on today. Uh, what else? Family. Family's a good one. Work. People treasure work, purpose in work. You said diamond rings, something like that? Gold and diamond rings. Anything else? Last chance. Self. Let me ask you this. What of any of those things cannot be taken away from you? He says, where moth and rust does corrupt. You can have the best car, the best house. Like, what will destroy a house really quick? Tornado. Torn that was not the one I expected. Tornadoes. Um, termites. Right? You ever had termite damage? It's awful. Um, fire. What else? A flood. You ever had a, hey, how many of y'all ever had a faucet drip or something, a pipe drip and you didn't know about it until it was like far gone? Don't you love that? It's like everything's rotten, and you're like, oh, fantastic, man. And that tests your religion, doesn't it? All those things can be taken away, can they not? Well, why, why do we work so hard and focus and keep our mind on those things when we can't keep them anyway? Why are we so intoxicated with the stuff? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Let's contrast. What about treasure in heaven? If you go to that one. What is that? Like are you saying, man, I'm going to work really hard, and man, someday God's going to give me a 67 Mustang fastback with a 351 Windsor in it. Amen. He'll have, me, he'll have that for me on the streets of gold. We'll do burnouts on the streets of gold. Right? And it's got to have a manual. Like, you got, it's got to be a manual. Right? There's dump the clutch. Right? Are we working 
for something like that? Is that what's going to be waiting on us in heaven? Do you think when we get to heaven, that's what we're going to value? We value it here. Well, what is it? If we, if we go to the next slide, I'll show you. What in the world is treasure? Number one, first and foremost, the first treasure. There's so many references on this one. You just look up, anytime Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, most of the time he's talking about this. If you do a little Google search or on your Blue Letter Bible or whatever it is, you look up kingdom of heaven, and Jesus is constantly talking about how to enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Well, when I get to heaven, okay, but there's a requirement to get to heaven. Be perfect. Yeah, but can you? All right, well, how do I get there? Because Jesus said, be perfect as the heavenly Father is perfect. So how do I be perfect? I've already messed up a lot of things. How? How do you enter into heaven? Y'all, we should know this. How does anybody ever, ever enter heaven? It's not doing good. You cannot ever, ever do enough good to get to heaven. You can't do enough good works to outweigh your bad. You and I are hopelessly lost. Do you know why? Because if you've ever committed one sin, your blood is tainted. How many of you have committed multiple hundreds and thousands of sins? Me too. So where does that leave us? Lost. It leaves us lost without what? Without the blood of Jesus Christ. So number one, enter into heaven. That's the main treasure of heaven. Like, like I can't work for the kingdom of heaven and just be like, man, I'm going to get these rewards that we're about to talk about. Man, I'm going to get some rewards for the kingdom of heaven if you have never accepted and professed Jesus. Like you can work for God and you can believe in God as a presence out there, but until you, public, until you profess and believe in the blood of Jesus and put your faith and trust in that, you're not going to get anything because you have no reward. Amen. It's like this. How many of you are aware that McDonald's sometimes is not exactly the nicest restaurant to go to? Okay. It's not exactly Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Would we all agree to that? Right, although there's something about a late night munchy trip to McDonald's that just hits the spot, and I don't know why. It's even better at 2 a.m. at Waffle House, but we won't talk about that. That's the place where you build your immunity to everything else in the world. <laughs> because who knows what's in the waffle? I mean, we're not even going to guess and think about that. Um, but based on the drama of the employees, typically, yeah, we'll move on from there. So you're at McDonald's, right? And let's say you go to McDonald's, you're driving around the parking lot, and you notice there's a bunch of little things wrong. Like, man, they, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And then you go, in the, you go in the fine establishment, and you look around, and you'd be like, man, there's all kind of smudges on the screen. Who even knows what that is? And you're looking around, man, there's all kind of dirt in the corner. And you just say, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work, I go. And then you take your rag, and then you start wiping off tables and and, you know, people are looking at you, and employees are looking at you like, yeah, well, man, look, 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 good person right there. Man, look at that, good person. Man, the, and you're going out there, and, man, you're, you're doing things, and you're, and you're fixing the signs, which are so often, so often misspelled. Uh, you're fix, you fix the signs, and you're doing this, and people will say, man, good person, good person. But guess what you're not going to get come Friday? 
you're not going to get a paycheck. You know why? You never applied. You never got accepted. You're not on payroll. And we work for God, and I feel like we're trying to atone for our past sins, but that's so backwards because you can't atone for those sins. And yes, you might do good in the world. Praise God for that. But at the same time, if you do not enter heaven, it will all be in the wash. The main treasure is entered into heaven, and the only way you can get there and I can get there is by trusting Jesus. Number two, working. You've been looking at this for five minutes. Working, suffering, or dying for the kingdom. I'm not going to go through those references, but there's all kind of references on that. You can Google that if you want to or look at those references. Well, why would I want to work for the kingdom? Why would I want to suffer for the kingdom and be persecuted and be ridiculed for it? And people say, as our culture becomes more and more secular, what you're going to see is Christianity is becoming more and more under attack. It's just be the way it is. Because there's going to be a greater divide between cultural Christians and actual Christians. How many of you know people that, man, I hate asking questions like this. How many of you have, at this point in your your life, you've been able to identify people that say they're Christians, they attend church, but they act like terrible human beings that don't even believe in God. I'll just put it that way. Okay? Okay? And then on the other side, there are people that are genuine and real. Right? Well, how does that happen? You mean people that are members of churches are going to go to hell someday, Josh? Absolutely there will be. You mean people that gave to a church will go to hell someday? Yes! You mean people that even, now here's the kicker we don't like. You mean people that even go and get baptized will go to hell? Yeah. Do you know why? Because it's not about that water. It's not about your good works or mine. It's about the conversion of the heart. Have you come to believe in Jesus as the Savior or not? Amen? I know that's a rough one, guys. I know it is. The eye, in verse number 22, is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy or single, if you're looking at an older translation, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is what? Bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Does how we see the world matter? Open my eye. If my eye is healthy and I'm seeing things with a proper worldview, then man, there's a lot of potential for good in me. But if the way I see things and I see the world is wrong, then I've got to... Where do you even start if you can't see correctly? You say, well, Josh, I'm still not following you. Let's consider this one, just this one topic, and this this should help us. Consider the topic of human value. I'm going to ask you a few questions. I want you to answer these questions within yourself. Do human beings have value? Answer within yourself. Okay, depending upon how you answer that, now answer this question. 
how much value do, do human beings have? Okay, maybe let's take that step back because that's a broad question. All right, let me, let's put it down where we live. Do human beings, are human beings um, as valuable? Are human, are human lives are as valuable as animal lives? Let's put it that way. Okay, let me ask you another question. Are human lives more valuable than animal lives? Let me ask you another question. Is it okay to kill a human being? Now, depending upon how you answer that, think about this. Well, what about in self-defense? But you just said no. I know a bunch of us said no because we weren't thinking about that. Is it okay to kill in self-defense? I don't want to pick this apart, but in some of the older versions, the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not kill. That word is, is not kill. And the modern versions get it right on this one. That word is murder. Premeditated murder is wrong. But the question is, is it okay to kill a human being? Like what, what happens if you have a serial killer and then they come to the end of their life and they don't get taken out by the police before, before they are taken into custody? So is it okay to... So these questions aren't really all that hard if you're seeing things from the biblical point of view. And here's why. Because if you're seeing things from the Christian point of view... Here's how this falls out. Do human beings have value? Yes. Well, are they as valuable as an animal life? Yes. Are they more valuable? The answer in the Bible is yes. Now, you're looking at... I'd say I'm ashamed to admit this to you, but I'm not ashamed to admit this to you. I love animals. I'm an animal person. I love patting my fat dog's belly. I love it. I love seeing my chickens run around. I love the chaos that ensues. I love all that. I had, I'm, I'm going to identify myself as one of these weirdos that when, we, when I was a kid, I had a pet snake. I had a python. And I, matter of fact, we named it Houdini. Do you know why we named it Houdini? Because it would be out in our house loose for a month at a time. And nobody would know where it is. How'd you like to sleep at night? Seriously. There was one time where that snake was gone for three months. Yep. And we finally found him crawling with a big old belly full of something. Who knows? Hopefully it wasn't a small child. We don't know, but, you know. So I love animals, but there's no question about this for me. Here's why. Because there's no doubt that an animal has emotions. You see it in their face. If you work with animals, you see that. But here's the thing about animals. Do you think, do you think a dog at night is laying in his little doggy bed with his feet up, and he's thinking... Oh, dearie me, what about my purpose in life? What should I do with my career? Oh, dear, I must have offended my human. Oh. Do you think it's pondering that? No. No. 
Do you know what the difference is? It's really simple biblically. God breathed, when God made animals, then he made man. God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became not a living body, but you know what it says? A living soul. So you wonder if you've done good or bad. You're guilty. You feel shame. We all do. Animals don't. Why is that? Because we're conscious about those things and they're not. These are easy. This is why it matters that we see through a biblical lens. Because although I love my animals, man, if you had, if I had a choice between one of my animals' lives and my daughter, you know which one I'd have to pick a thousand times. Does it matter how we see the world? Yeah. If you don't know Christ, you're left to fend for yourself. Make my own choices, do what I think is right. Some of us that know Christ, unfortunately, we live in the flesh a lot of times. We don't walk with Christ, we do what we think is right, and then we come, like I've said week after week, limping back to God and say, oh man, I wish I would have. Yeah. You know what it all comes down to? It's not just, hey, we'll put on the glasses of salvation. That'd be a nice sermon illustration. But it's more like eye surgery. Like your eyes are so bad, you need surgery. It's even more like this, heart surgery. Or even more like this, it's a heart transplant. You say, well, who can give me a new heart? God can when you accept his son. He changes your heart all around. You say, well, I've got to understand all these things. Here's the thing. You ever been to a big city? I'm going to end with this illustration. You ever been to a big city? I'm not talking about Roxboro. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Roxboro. Yeah, buddy. What are you talking about? How many of you know people ain't never been out of their city? You, know? <laughs> you go to a big city. I don't like it. Some of y'all crazy people do love it. You love to go to the big city. My wife's one of those. She was raised in Dallas, Texas. She loves, she calls it her Dallas. And when we go into, when we cross over, you know, we're traveling, we go from like Arkansas into Texas. Like she does this, like this weird automatic salute or something. And it's like she pledges allegiance to her country and all that. And it's like, wait, you know, it's like a whole different land over there, you know. But, um, gosh, I forgot where I was. <laughs> What was I saying? Oh, yeah, big city. All right, so you go to a big city. Like, let's, say, let's say New York. All right? Taxis run all over the place. Here's, here's, what, here's what trust looks like. You see this taxi driver pull up. You don't know the city. You see this taxi driver. You hail a taxi, right? Taxi pulls up. You ain't ever seen this dude. You don't know this guy. But because he's got a yellow car with a number on the side of his car... You trust that he is not going to kidnap you and take you where you want to go. You trust that he knows the city, right? How many of you have ever had to go to the doctor? Okay, you trust a doctor the same way. I trust you, doctor. I've not been to medical school like you, but I trust that you know what you're doing. You know what medication to put me on. And if you deem it necessary for surgery, that you know what you're talking about. I don't know anything about what you do, but I'm putting my trust in you. 
That's what trust looks like. Here's what faith looks like. Faith is looking at the taxi driver and trusting that they know what they're doing. Faith is doing this, opening the door and getting in. Trust in the surgeon is like, yeah, I trust your credentials and you're certified, blah, 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 blah. But faith is, I'll get on the table and I'll allow you to put that anesthesia in me and I'll let you cut on me. Trust and faith in Jesus is the same way. I don't know about all this. I don't know about all this. I don't know. I don't understand everything, but I'm trusting, based on my previous horrible track record, I am trusting that you know the way. And even though I start out like a little baby, and that's what's so, that's why so many of us don't come to Christ, because we're like, we don't want to feel like an idiot. I get it. But everybody in this room that knows Christ, that's exactly how you have to start out. You have to acknowledge, I don't know. You do. I trust you. I'll surround myself with people who are walking this way, and I'll get in this and try to figure out the way to go. The way that we see matters. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It, it means the world to me that you would take the time to listen to our sermons. If, you, if you'd like to connect with us, shoot us an email at office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. That's office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. Or just come by for a service in person, 1030 a.m. Sunday mornings. Address is 1562 Mill Creek Road, Roxboro, North Carolina. Uh, I would love to meet you in person. And um, I guess that's all for now. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast if you would, kindly. We pray that you'd have a great day. Uh, for Hope Church Mill Creek, I'm Pastor Josh. Grace and peace.